Get our podcast like Dark Side of the Moon or some shit. If you sync it up, like the end is the beginning. No, that's the wall. The wall does that where the end is the beginning. <laughs> yes. So if you play it, Carlos says, I say bye, and Carlos says hi, and it, it all runs together. <laughs> we still don't have a name for this podcast. What happened to the sound of Persa Reviewers? Perseverance. Well, that was um that was the episode title, right? Because um you kept saying uh. we shall persevere. So I figure people should leave us and the, the general heavy bog blog podcast um, five-star reviews and suggest little review puns that we can use as episode titles. And if uh, one of them's good, yeah, it might stick. Unless my idea for this week is we could be the princes of the review universe. <laughs> I can record a big intro like for the Highlander theme and I'll do like we're the princes of the review universe and people listening to this will know whether I've done that or not. Well, I mean, it's a horrible, <laughs> it's horrible, but also that's kind of the point of a pun. So sure, I guess. Yeah. You hear that Carlo approved. Um, yeah. How are you? I'm pretty good. Uh, I have just returned from some PhD student free faculty drinks. Oh yeah. So there we go. It only took until episode two to have slightly inebriated Carlo on the plot. Right. So. I was thinking of spiking my uh, coffee with some Baileys, but I refrained. So uh-huh. we'll see how this goes. <laughs> All right. So then looking looking at the albums we're going to talk about, uh, we have the headliners are going to be We Broke the Weather, Zillanada, Cold of Luna and Venom Prison. And then we've got special guests, Persephone, Elegeon, or Allegion, if you're Carlo, and probably everyone else who's not me. Um, Rollo Tomasi, Girish and the Chronicles, Bloodywood, and Author and Punisher. And then some supports from Immolation, Amorphous, Corn, and Wait. On also, I want to talk about schizophrenia and acrasia. The the cool people thing. Did you listen to Blood Incantation? I did. All right. Yeah. But before we get into that, do we want to just to warm up? Have you been listening to anything other than the things we're going to talk about? Not really. I've been pretty boring and just sticking to my task of let's listen to February releases and make sure we have something to talk about for the pod. Right. Well, thanks. Yeah, no, I've been I've been concentrating on that recently as well. Um, except for today, I've been trying very hard to work out whether or not I like the new Ghost album, but we will talk mm. about that next month. Stay tuned. <laughs> Hold your excitement, everyone. All right, let's get into it then with our our head headliner, the the smallest of the the headliners and the smallest band on the bill, a new band. You Uh, mean the most important band of the bill? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, we're putting them up here because we think they deserve it. Uh, This is We Broke the Weather, a a band, a proggy band that we're going to talk about, Um, though we do have to do the disclaimer that this is the band featuring uh, Nick from Heavy Blog on saxophone as the sexy sax man yes um, and occasional vocal here and there uh-huh. if you don't know nick he's the one who writes far too much about the deer hunter in his <laughs> prog notes he hasn't written one of those for years though right yeah but he's 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 famous for them among the deer hunter community <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. uh, and you may also know him as the one that mind melds with Eden. Uh, they are one and the same much of the time. Are they? Yes. Okay. I have not picked that up, but I um, I don't know. I we Just to assuage um, accusations of nepotism or whatever, I don't know Nick at all. We've chatted like twice. <laughs> and I think yep. it was 
we bonded over our uh, mutual love of the uh, last fucked up album that came out last year and uh, uh, yes. bafflement about why everyone else didn't love it as much as us. And that's about the only interaction I've had with Nick. He seems nice. <laughs> yeah, I tend to agree. I haven't had spoken to him much more than that. And usually the things that he likes and listens to is not so much up my alley, but his band seems to be the exception. Yes. So this is all to not, not to put Nick down and say we don't have anything to do with him. This is to say that uh, going into this, this isn't like, yeah, yeah, we love Nick. We love Nick's music. We're all about Nick. Yeah, Nick. Um, yeah, we're. I think you and I generally have pretty differing tastes from from Nick. And mm. um, I have you to thank for putting me onto this band because I am no longer on uh, Facebook in the Facebook group where I, apparently he shared it and people were talking about it. I had no idea this album had come out until you posted in the Slack and said, oh, hey, I checked this out and I didn't know what to expect. Well, I was just checking it out because Nick's in it and actually it's really good. And I went, oh, well, if it's actually really good. Uh, no, I wouldn't well, listen to it case. anyway. Um, <laughs> and I had the exact same rea- reaction. This album's incredible. Yeah, it is self-titled uh, and the band is We Broke the Weather. So uh, very, very subtle there. I wonder what they could possibly be talking about. Uh, so tell me, Josh, what do you like about this record? Ah, uh, everything. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I, I think this is to to just get the big conclusion out of the way. This is my second favorite album of the year so far, after Fit for an Autopsy, and they are mm-hmm. very Same. different um, sounding albums. I, I think there is, for me at least, there is a clear demarcation between I think Fit for an Autopsy is is a better album uh, than this, uh, but that is also a veteran genre defining band releasing like a genre or a classic album and this is the debut from yeah a small band um this really wasn't what i was expecting i think i had checked out one of we broke the weather songs previously like maybe a, a few years back now it's got to be a while ago because i was mm. still on facebook i think nick just posted oh we shot a video here's our song and i yep. checked it out and i remember it being nothing like this i remember it being kind of like indie. agreed yeah so that's i'm not just making that they did have a song that sounded like they that. did yes all right and and they're I, all like in a forest or something yeah, I think there was a waterfall uh, involved. Yeah. Um, so I'd listened to that. So that's sort of what I was expecting going into this, like something, yeah, more indie leaning. And this is this is proggy prog rock. Yes. So I would say that this is a record that proudly wears its influence its influences on its sleeves. Mm-hmm. But it does those influences justice and it combines them in fresh and interesting ways. So if you're even remotely interested in genres like new jazz, fusion, math rock, post rock, prog, be it old school sort of 70s style prog or more modern deer hunter, thank you scientist style prog, then you should definitely check this record out. Um, and I'm not particularly enamored with any of those genres in and of themselves, but the way that they fuse them together here really works for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised to hear you going so far for the for the math course kind of thing. The, the Thank You Scientist reference, where I think of them as kind of a zany, groovy, jammy band. Like, I don't think mm. this is very similar to that at all, but I'm not that familiar with Thank You Scientist. Just what I have in my head of them is not what I have. There's the big one for me. Like, this is classic prog, like prog rock. Um, like the big one for this is Rush. There are riffs on here where I'm like, that's a Rush yeah. riff with a note change. That's where that's come from, which is yeah. not to say it's derivative, but it's like, I see how you got to this point by just jamming some Rush songs. There's some real Getty Lee-esque vocals at times without being as, uh, you know, ridiculous as as Rush get. Um, but the other big one for me that I don't know, yeah, I don't know uh, how familiar you are with them, but uh, Cave-In. Uh, yes, I've only heard that, like I'm vaguely familiar with them. I've listened to one of their records one or two times 
Right. Um, would you happen to know which records they were? Because that's very important when it comes to cave-in. No, unfortunately. Right. Um, so every cave-in record sounds different to every other cave-in record, or every two cave-in records sound different to every other cave-in record. And obviously with this one, I'm going for their, their prog period, which was their their second or their third album, depending on what you count, but uh, Jupiter, which is often considered the classic. And then there's an EP that came along with that. Uh, is it Tides of Tomorrow? Or I think I'm thinking of Creative Eclipses, but yeah, Ju Jupiter era cave-in, prog era cave-in, which I guess is where some of that math core stuff comes in. But more, yeah, more of that alt-rock where this really reminded me of, of that. And I'm not a huge, I prefer later cave-in actually, but yeah, it reminded me a lot of that. It reminded cave-in, Rush, and like a bit of Radiohead. I I don't really like Radiohead, but I, I can hear it in there. It's a, yeah, it's this big blend and it, it's great. Mm. There's even like some, some fuzz in there as well. Like some elder style, even some garage or psych type riffs and production at times. I think this was sort of like promoted as like a psychedelic was the word that kept coming up. And I was sort of taken by how, how restrained it was. Like when, mm. when you say psychedelic, I think of something like, um, who's that band from Perth that everyone like Tame Impala. Yes or something like that, something really fuzzed out or, yeah, trippy, man. Whereas this is, it's really technical, it's really proggy, but it's its very melodic and it's really, like, clear and well-constructed. Mm. And it, it doesn't just meander aimlessly for long periods at a time. Like, you're they're taking you back to the hook or back to mm. something more grounded in a reasonable pit amount of time that you're never sort of getting lost. Yeah, that that's a great call. That's there, There's hooks and then... Like there's huge choruses, but the, the hooks aren't always the choruses. There's like riffs and movements they bring in. Mm. And yeah, there's like a 10 minute song towards the end, The Fog, which is really good. And then I think there's a, there's an eight minute song, but the rest of it's, yeah, it's around like five, four minutes. So it's fairly, fairly concise for a prog record. And I think that's a point of difference. I mean, um, I guess the, the other reference point for me that makes me like this, and I don't know how much of that's there versus I just think everything that sounds like this sounds like them. But uh, do you know, you know, Beardfish? No, never heard of them. Uh, Beardfish are a Swedish prog band. I think they may have broken up. And then the, the main guy does some solo stuff now. But they're on The Void from 2012, which is easily like their heaviest, most metal album. That is a big album for me that I keep going back to. It's like a real cornerstone album. But it has become like anytime I hear modern prog, I'm like, oh, it sounds like Beardfish. And <laughs> I don't know how much of that is like an actual Beardfish influence or distinctive sound versus just they're the only modern prog band I know and have listened to. Yep. Um, but there is there is something distinctive and it's normally the Swedish voice. But yeah, We Broke the Weather Art Swedish. But there, there's something about the opening track on the We Broke the Other Weather album that reminds me of Beardfish, uh, the Void Era Beardfish, and that is never a bad thing. Yeah, I guess the last thing I have to say about this is uh, Nick is killing it. The saxophone on this album is great. It's not like, obviously, saxophone's like a big thing in prog at the moment. It normally shows up here and there as a guest spot, but this is like, he's a member of the band. It's all throughout the album, and I think it, it's never superfluous. It's like a real foundational core part of their sound. Yeah, and one thing that Nick and the blog more broadly has been pretty critical of as saxophone has become more prominent in metal over the last five years or so is 
Ah, uh, yes, they're bringing in the saxophone to play the exact same notes a guitar would have played in the bridge. Whereas here it's interwoven, like you say, and it's it's not just taking the place of another instrument, but it's adding something distinct to the music. Yeah, and I think that is probably because like he is a member of the band. Like so he's yeah. part of it. He's not just yet yeah, brought in to do something here and anyone else could do it. And yeah, the other thing with like the saxophone is it's always it's doing the Jordan Monkby thing. Like if it's not him, it's people trying to imitate him and like he's great. <laughs> It, it's you get that same style over and over again uh we need nick showing up on the next rivers of nail album please <laughs> get him in there more nick guest spots let's do it so yes a, a small album an album that we have some kind of connection to through the blog but i think yeah easily the best album of the month is we broke the weather check it out so let what's next we'll go to cult of luna the long road north you want to go to cult of luna i think that's the biggest release um, in, in metal circles let's we do it putting on an actual festival with this lineup maybe they would be the proper headliner so let's go to cult of luna what's your history with cult of luna josh my history with cult of luna i actually know i want to ask your history with cult of luna because i'm sort of under the impression that you don't have much of one and aren't really that into them yeah that's fair enough so i'm pretty indifferent towards them the first time I really checked them out was Mariner, when that sort of blew up, especially among our circle and at Heavy Blog. And I thought that was pretty good. Um, I've listened to their record since then. And Noyan loves to talk about boring metal being anything that is remotely slow in tempo. And Cult of Luna sort of borders on the edge of, is it boring metal or is it actually kind of interesting? Uh, so that's that's my background coming into this record. So sort of you, you're aware of them, but you've never really gone in. All right. Yeah. Um, I was I was much like you. Um, I think with Cult of Luna, the, there's two very distinct periods of Cult of Luna. There's, there's modern Cult of Luna and there's um, not classic Cult of Luna, but older Cult of Luna. And that turning point is... Um, uh, is vertical in 2013. I think that's the start of their modern period. That was the industrial sort of influence one. I think it's based on Metropolis, as in the film, so that brutalism aesthetic. And that's that's where I sort of jumped on board. So prior to that, I'd heard of them. I'd sort of dipped in, like you were saying, and just gone, yeah, not for me. I'm not really into post-rock, uh, post-metal. Um, yep. And then Vertical came out, and sometimes you just get a feeling about an album. And mm. this is one of those where I had a feeling about it, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to check out that Cult of Lunar album. And I loved it. I think it's an incredible album. And I I mean, I think since its release, it is considered a modern genre classic. That and, and Mariner are sort of the two big modern uh, post-metal releases. I mean, they're, they're the big modern post-metal band, right? Mm, that's right, yeah. Yeah, Isis broke up, broken up and uh, Neurosis is still around, but they're sort of a classic cult band. Like, yeah, Cult of Luna are the big name in, in post-metal to the point where even you and I are listening to them because, yes, this is not... Um, the sort of thing I'm into. Not so, our yeah. usual wheelhouse, yeah. Yeah, loved Vertical. Uh, check out Mariner, and and I think Mariner's great. I totally understand why it's considered a classic, the classic. Um, but it, it is an album that I sort of appreciate more than personally engage in. Uh, the one for me is their last album from 2019, Adorn to Fear. Mm which in retrospect maybe should have or at least could have been my album of the year. Oof, big call. Yeah, I can't remember what was... I used to have all my list, but then I got my hard drive replaced and I lost them all. What, what year was 2019? Was that Hath? Uh, let me have a look. Hang on. Oh, I can just look it up on the blog. We've got a blog for this. Yes. Uh, so I had 2019, Fit for an Autopsy, North Lane, Hath, Warforged, yeah. Leprous, Unprocessed, etc. White Ward. 
Oh yeah, White Ward was that year as well. Because I think this came in fifth or sixth on my official list. Let's see. Uh, yeah, so I had Hath Cattle Decapitation, which yeah, I'd probably take that over the over. Uh, yep. Cult of Luna, uh, Marina, Love and Hate, which it was a big album for me that year, but I probably dropped down. Kill Switch Engage, Todra Call Tool, Cult of Luna at number seven, and I think, and then White Ward. Yeah, I definitely Cult of Luna would make the top three now in in retrospect. Like that record was an honorable mention for me. Didn't make my list, but wasn't far from it. A Dawn to Fear. Yep. Oh, okay. So you, you've dabbled a bit more than um you were leading on. Like they're not they're not bad. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> like post metal is not my thing, but if I have to listen to post metal, I'm choosing them. Yeah. Um, and I think that the big change with the Dawn to Fear is they brought in a lot of melody. So the songs sort of were more, I don't think they stood out more, but they were more distinct. Like this is the mm. one with that part. Um, uh, but I thought it, for me, it was the the most varied album, right? Even the ones that I liked, I mean, maybe Mariner, but Vertical is just, you're in that brutalism mood and that's the mood you're in for the album. Whereas... I don't fear has a distinctive mood, but you know, it's a journey, man. So I really liked that album, but apparently I was the only one, at least within our circles. I've got a lot of people saying that it was a bit of a letdown after Mariner. Right. Yeah. Jimmy reviewed this one for us and said, Vertical and uh, Don't Fear suffered the imbalance of front loading an album with, with an epic and immediately memorable track only to drop the tempo out meander for an hour beyond. And uh, Nick echoed this in the post-rock post saying that those albums were pendulous, dragging on without enough impetus to warrant them. And I think both uh, both of those writers at least have seen this as a return to form of, of sorts. Yeah. yeah, Jimmy wrote in his review that, conversely, The Long Road North is an intoxicating record that is filled with purpose and end-to-end highlights, giving Mariner a run for its money as the band's magnum opus. And that seems to be uh, yeah, the vibe that's going around the, the heavy blog sphere. For me, you could do a find and replace on A Dawn to Fear and the new album and just flip them yeah as i've said a dawn to fear should have been my album of the year it was i love the variation i love the variety of it and i think the long road north is really boring and one note and plotty Oof. <laughs> so see i'm this is my favorite cult of lunar record right thus far okay sell me with mariner the julie christmas was the guest vocalist mm-hmm. if i recall and her voc like she's a great vocalist but her tone is just not a tone i enjoy personally okay. um so i loved the idea and the concept uh it's and with another vocal i would have really gotten into that um but it's just one of those things here this is this is where the cult of luna package sort of coalesces for me and i i feel like the the touchstone that i keep coming back to here is the ocean like this is the most ocean sounding non-ocean record i've heard uh, and whilst not being a post-metal guy, I mean, I, I hesitate to even really call the ocean post-metal per se, given the sort of eclectic influences that they draw from. But I, I absolutely love them. And this is right in that ballpark. They've got some electronic influences in there. There's some sax at times, which is a nice addition. They've got still some female cleaner vocals in there, which is a, tone, a, a different tone to, to Julie and one that I really like. And so for me, there's a lot of dynamism to this record that was perhaps lacking for me in the past. And I feel like it's got more replay value than the previous iterations that I've heard. Now, in saying that, there is a little bit of a... I guess uh, hypocrisy here, a bit of a contradiction perhaps is a better way of putting it in that on the one hand, I feel like I like the variation that I'm hearing here, but on the other hand, there are also protracted sections that are sort of trance-like and not trances in the genre, but they put me into a trance with the repetition and the going uh, going through the same sort of vibe for a protracted time, but it's it's working for me. And 
the way this is shaping up, probably a top 15 album of the year, I would say, at this stage. Um, yeah, no, it, it's definitely me out of step. I mean, this album is just getting rave reviews and I seem to be the only one going like, I am literally at times, I'm like, are we listening to the same album? Because everything you've said <laughs> sounds great and I am just not getting it from this. And I'm sort of glad, I'm glad you brought up the ocean for two reasons. One, you reminded me, yes, I think this sounds like the ocean, but also I am having a very similar experience with this album as I was with the first Phrenozoic album, the Paleozoic. The one. good one, you mean? Oh, uh, well, yes. I mean, this is the point. <laughs> I... That album was, I think, was lots of people's albums of the year that year. Mine included. Yeah, you were big on it. And uh, what's 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 the one before? Pelagial, which is like incredible. The album of the decade, yep. Clo- it's that and um, Let Lives the Blackest Beautiful for me, which came out the same year. So it's like those two being like, <laughs> oh, which one is it? But um, yeah, that album I hold in as high esteem and I really enjoyed the last one. But yeah, everyone was raving about Paleozoic when it came out. And I'm like, I'm just not hearing it. I put it on and I just sort of drift off and not in this trance-like way that you're saying. It just does not mm. grab my attention and it does not hold my attention when it does. Because they keeps being, I put this on and I just sort of zone out and drift. And then there is there is one bit, it's always the same bit and it comes in, there's like a cool riff. I go, oh, that's a cool riff. And I always think I should check what song that is. I never do. And so for this like one moment <laughs> that grabs me on the album, I don't know what it is. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's not doing it for me. And it, I think maybe that is, I, I wrote this in the um, our uh, release day round up top picks that maybe it's just because down in Melbourne we're in the middle of a 35 degree everyday summer and Cold of Lunar is not really <laughs> like suiting yep. the mood yep it's one that I, I keep saying on oh, maybe I'll come back to it but I, I kept going back to Paleozoic and it never grew on me so I don't know but I'm glad you enjoyed it because I was a bit worried this is one I, I put up there because I like Cold of Lunar it's the big album and I didn't think you were really into them and I was just going to come on here and go yeah it's boring and you were going to go yeah why'd you make me listen to it <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad you liked it Though I do have to say, we're talking about this as like original and innovative and very, it opens with the big wop sound that's on, on every movie trailer. I think that's a big put off for me. Yeah, movie trailers are great though. <laughs> <laughs> they okay. open with it for a reason, Josh. The, the, the wop. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you can do a wop anymore. I'm a bit over it. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess that's that's Cold of Luna. I'll, I'll go back to it. We'll see. But um, for me, yeah, kind of the first big disappointment of the year, but it does seem to be the problem's me, not them. Do we want to move on then to Zilanada? Can we talk about them? Yes, and this is self-titled as well, I believe. Yes, Zilanada yes, with the album Zilanada. Their second or third or fourth kind of album is like two EPs, but they may as well be albums, whatever. So I'm going to throw it to you again, because Zilanada are a band that I sort of think, my impression is you have a similar relationship with them as Cold of Luna. Is that correct? Yeah, so this is one that I have. I've followed them since they came onto the scene. Devil is Fine was the debut, if I recall. And there were a few songs on there that I really liked. And then the rest of it was fine. And so I thought this is a band that has potential. I like the broad ideas they're playing with here, but it's not quite coming together for me. And then on Stranger Fruit, I feel like most of the blog jumped on board and was like, ah, yes, they've put it all together. This is amazing. And I probably liked it less than I did Devil is Fine. And it didn't click for me. Um, and Wake of a Nation was good, but short. And here we are with the, the self-titled. Yeah, the narrative with Zilanada seems to be, oh, they keep getting better and better and better. Stranger Fruit is such a big improvement. And I'm sort of reassured to hear you say that you, you didn't think so, because I am also one of those weirdos who thinks uh, Devil is Fine 
design is is still maybe the best thing they've ever done. Um, yep. I think I like it more than you. You were saying parts of it weren't for you. I just think it's it's pretty rock solid. Definitely still has my favorite songs on there. Like the what's the the river, the blood in the river one, whatever song yep. that is. That's sick. Yep banger and it just like it sounds evil i like that it's short and concise because my main problem with stranger fruit is like there's some incredible stuff on stranger fruit it's way too damn long mm. like it's like 20 tracks or something right and it doesn't i don't think it's as varied as the ep um i think with that release he did hone in on what is the core sound of zilanada but then sort of lost some of the wild unrestrained sort of danger to it yep so I liked that album, but yeah, wasn't as bold over with it as everyone else. And I actually think the the live album they put out, um, the versions of the songs on there sounds way better. I haven't heard the live album, actually. Yeah, it's just the production is just a bit rawer, I think. Um, a bit boomer. I did see them live when they came to Australia. It was, in, it was in like a pub in Northcote or something, like very mm. small room. And they came out in cloaks and stuff. They were okay. It was sort of one of those gigs where um, it was maybe more trouble than it was worth. Right. I, um, not, not that they were that bad. It was just they were a band. They played. I showed up. I saw them. I went home. So yep. didn't have that transcendent live Zillanada experience that people sort of talk about. Wake of a Nation, I sort of listened to once and went, oh, yeah. It's, that's not the side of, of Zillanada that I really go to. I like the big chanty evil We're Raising Satan songs. Mm-hmm. which I think this album has a lot of, among other things. So I'm still a little conflicted over it, but it is, I would probably say, my favourite record of theirs thus far. So okay. they haven't fully converted me, but I'm a step closer than I was. And I suspect that might be perhaps for different reasons than you. So okay. th- there are there are some great tracks on here, uh, like, for example, Golden Liar through to Feed the Machine. I'm just like, yes, this is great. Song after song, smashing it. And for me where they really shine are those where he's using his distorted clean vocals uh that sort of husky bluesy voice um is really really good and wherever that vocal is put in the center i'm really enjoying it the the dreamier shoegazy parts which they only dabbled in didn't really work for me and the the black metal parts are fine Uh, i don't think they're great i don't think they're bad they're nice for a bit of diversity um but probably not having as much impact as i would like so overall i still think there's some really cool and interesting ideas that they're playing with but for the most part i'm there for the blues sections and the rest of it is i'm waiting for the rest of it to catch up to the quality of the blues essentially yeah, I think I feel very similarly about it to you overall. But yeah, as mm-hmm. you sort of suggested, maybe for coming at it from a different angle, it's the, the black metal stuff on this is doing it for me. I think yep. the blue stuff's good, but it's the it sounds about as good as they've done the blue stuff in the past, maybe. Whereas I think he's the black metal stuff. He's really got a hold on it here. What's it? Um, the church burns, which is the the big chanty one. Just that's that's what I'm here for. That's what I come to Zillanard for. <laughs> But yeah, stuff like Run and Got a Dumarung and and stuff are really great as well. Um, I totally agree with you about the shoegay stuff. That is where it loses me. Yep. Because there's there's a new metal song on this album. Uh, is it I Caught You? I, I wouldn't even say there's a new metal song. I feel like the whole record has like a real new metal vibe to it at times. It's got that chuggy thing. He does yeah. that sort of almost like slowed down Fear Factory riffing. Mm. And he does go back to that a little too often. I think it gets a bit repetitive. Like like it sounds good each time, but then when you listen to it all together, it's like he's doing the bit again. Yeah, I think is it it is um I caught you. That's the the new metal-y one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm listening to it right now. Like the start of I caught you sounds like the opening of like it's on by Corn or some shit. Yep. 
I think that works really well. And I don't know what the broad um, response to Zillanada doing a new metal or a new Leofold song, but that really <laughs> jumped out to me. And and also as like, that's throwing back to the devil is fine thing of like, just put whatever in there, whatever sort of works, go for it. Yeah. And I think the new metal works really well with that, that bouncy chant thing. Whereas it's the gazy electronic atmospheric stuff that just feels tacked on to me. Yeah, I agree. There's the two songs at the end, is it? There's the one in the middle. It's immersion that just goes on for way too long. I don't know. There's like three tracks. They don't really say anything. They're just sort of thrown in there. I find they really disrupt the flow. And it just sort of seems to be like, oh, this atmospheric side of black metal's trendy. So we'll put it in there. I don't know. Mm. They seem like demos or shells of songs rather than like a fully realized idea of how to incorporate that into into Zelanada. Although I find overall that the flow of this album is really frustrating in general. Like I was saying Church Burns is, is awesome and, and I caught you, which is the Nemo one, but their tracks nine and ten. And I think you yep. were saying your your favorite run was before that. But I'm sort of like, why am I hearing Church Burn 10 tracks in? Why do I have to wait <laughs> this long for it to hit that? sort of peak and I've done that thing that I do where I've I've spent the last month trying to rearrange this <laughs> album so that it works better which if, any, if anyone out there listening's read my view, reviews and knows is a thing I do occasionally but I do think sequencing is a big part of of an album because and I normally do it when I'm, I'm listening to them and I go, I know this is good, but it's just not grabbing me, but yep. there's something there. And I've been trying to do it with this one. I can't get it to work because it's too all over the place. But also like you're saying with those blues songs, there's too many of them. There's, I think it's, um, you got the Zelanada intro, you got Golden Liar, and then there, there's another one, um, is it The Bow, where it's yes. just sort of like, okay, you've got, you've got three slow bluesy songs in an album of otherwise like wild black metal. It's like, where do you put them? Because every time they come in, the mood of the album shifts and then then the black metal is very repetitive i don't know this yeah feels very similar to devil is fine to me where i love the wildness of it but it does feel un, unrefined i guess mm. which says to me uh what zillanata really need is is an editor and i think that's true of yeah stranger fruit being 20 tracks long and this being sort of just unwieldy is uh because what's the, what's the main guy's name it's it's manuel something french sounding Manuel Gagneau. Um, yeah, sure, we'll go with that. Yeah, I mean they're, they're sort of a band, but it's it's a one man oh, project. Yeah. Like he's the guy, but I think I think we need a collaborator in here. I think he needs to find his Atticus Ross or whoever, or even just a producer. Like it doesn't have to be a band member. That's true. Um, but someone to say maybe we don't need this. Maybe we need more of that. Pick your favorite um, uh, post shoegaze track. We'll put that one on. Yeah. What's um? I'm just trying to see who produced this. Um, Produced by by him, yes. So self-produced, um, I think. Yeah, maybe working with someone. Um, I don't want them to like temper it down too much. Like I do like that this is a a more varied record than Stranger Fruit, which felt felt mm. like in refining that sound had done away with a lot of the appeal. But um, well, that's the thing. It's not. It's not that the ideas are bad. There's just too many ideas, and we need to remove some of them. Yes. So that the rest of them can shine brighter. Well, Ahmed reviewed this one for Heavy Blog, saying that uh, Zillanada, the album, feels more like a stepping stone record, one that explores new ground and strikes gold a fair few times, but doesn't fully feel like the best possible realization of their sound quite yet. In other words, it's a, certainly a good release, but ultimately can feel like a bit more time on the editing floor away from being a great album. And I think that is 
is a much uh, more accurate and measured response than a lot of the other reviews where I've seen people raving going, oh my God, this is the best album they've ever done and everything, which yep. maybe it is, but yeah, I don't think this is the finished product. Agreed. And that's coming from, I, th- I believe Ahmed was quite high on Stranger Fruit. That was one of his albums of the year. But yeah, I, I am excited by this because I was sort of a little bit out of it by the time Wake of a Nation came around. It was, mm. I sort of felt like they did Stranger Fruit and that's like as far as he was going to take it. And this goes, oh no, it's, he's not just going to do the same sound again. There's still the experimentation. So yeah, I'm excited by this album, but I don't think it'll be showing up on my end of year list or anything. Yeah, agreed. Not on my list, but not a band that I'm discarding. I will still continue to check out whenever they whatever they put out. Cool. All right. Our final headliner for this uh, month is Venom Prison. Um, a, I was going to say a smaller band, but I guess maybe they're a bigger band now based on this album. I'm not sure. This has been, yeah, one, one of the most discussed albums of the year metal albums of the year i think would you say that's fair mm-hmm. yeah venom prison which struck me as a, as a band that are way more up my alley than your alley and uh i believe that is that is correct yep uh do you want to give your what i'm assuming is a very brief history with venom prison yeah so i first came to know of them with their previous release samsara if i recall yep. and all i remember from listening to that was ah abrasive <laughs> band that's not for me so they got a lot of hype on Heavy Blog, but just did not click at all. I, I gave it a few listens, but yeah, didn't didn't enjoy it. It's it's a lot. Yeah, no, I, I came to them on the, on their debut, um, Animus, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. Animus, yeah, from in 2016. Which, much like Zillanada, I think I'm in the minority of thinking maybe this is still their best release, just because it's it's raw and more exciting. Um, but that have you gone back to that album at all? No. It's quite different from Samsara. Samsara is a death metal, death metal ass death metal record full of death metal. Mm. Animus really has a lot more hardcore to it. Right. More in the song structures and songwriting, like it still sounds like a death metal, but there's a lot more beat down. There's a lot more like gang vocal sort of things. And it has this real like bludgeoning sound to it. And Mm. I think that's a really cool, unique sound. With Samsara, for me, they got rid of some of that uniqueness. But I think the point of that album was to just be as extreme and abrasive as possible, as violent as possible. And they definitely pulled that off. And I... I totally understand why people revere Samsara because I think it succeeds wholly in what it was trying to be. Mm. It was one of the ones that was sort of the outlier on my end of year list, if I recall correctly. I was like, I want to get it in there, but it just didn't click with me enough personally. But I do like it. But yeah, it's it's a lot. Uh, and then they had uh, Primeval from 2020, which was a compilation of their previous EPs. Um, though I, like a lot of people, was like, oh, I haven't heard this before. It's essentially a new album. I think they re-recorded it, but it does sound more in line, especially now that we've uh, got to Erebus. Like, it makes sense as an in-between Samsara to Erebus jump more than a pre-Animus album. Right. Uh, because the the last two tracks on that, uh, have you listened to it at all? No. So the last two tracks on that um, were new songs that had clean singing, clean vocals on them, which is something they hadn't done before. And they were very, very good. And the response to that album was, hey, more of this, please. Uh, which brings us to Erebus. And uh, I believe it was, no, I think it was the second single, uh, Pain of uh, Oises, which uh, isn't about the time Ozzy Osbourne crashed his quad bike. But uh, yes, is a slow piano-led song with a lot of clean singing. And people were like, okay. 
And I think that led to a lot of hype and discussion, which, yeah, I think there was a real fervor around this album before it came out. Is that, were you seeing and, and feeling that as well? There was definitely some hype on leading into it. And whilst I hadn't come across the, the compilation in between, I think even just on the back of Samsara, people were people were pumped and they were ready for more. Um, Yeah, they're almost a, a, not quite mainstream, but like a breakthrough big heavy metal band, which is pretty yeah. exciting for this, like, yeah, really extreme band. Subgenre. This, um, you know, violent feminist imagery and, and all of that. Um, it's cool stuff. So yeah, if this had just been another Samsara and you were like, oh, I'm not really into it, um, I would have just put it in the supports and gone, yeah, it's it's another Venom Prison album. It's really good. I dig it. Um, but there's not much to say. This is a very different album, I think. Uh, so yeah, I do want to get your thoughts. Is this doing anything for you? So my my opening note on this was, hey, this is actually pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> And I was starting to wonder, have I just forgotten what Samsara sounded like? Or did have they shift pivoted and shifted their direction on this one? Because it's a lot more, more melodic and dynamic than I remember Samsara being. Um, and that's not to say there's not riffs. There are some banging riffs on here. A, there are a lot of riffs. <laughs> yes. Um, but it's there's a lot of variation. There's a few other influences thrown in, like some electronics here and there. And I enjoy the fact that they're not afraid to now and then dial it down, pare back the tempo, go a bit more mellow, throw in some cleans. Uh, and so this is a record that I want to give more time and check out a few more times, which is like, like with Samsara, I gave it a few listens out of obligation almost because everyone else liked it so much. I like, I need, I need to at least give it a shot. Whereas here I actually want to give it a shot. Um, so when when was it sort of when you were writing the note of hey this is pretty good dude was it straight from the get go or was there a song that pushed you over at what point were you like okay I think I'm into this uh, it was Nemesis so oh, third okay. track that's interesting pretty controversial early. track among heavy log I believe <laughs> I don't think it's a terrible song. I think the main riff's pretty cool. I think the um, blatant Slipknot um, aping is is pretty shameless. The I am the damage one thing, which is straight from, uh, yeah, was it The Blister Exists, which I think might be my favorite Slipknot song. But I think it would have been cool if they threw it in there as a single line as, oh, that's a pretty cool nod. I get it. Mm. I see what you're doing. To make that the hook of your song and just be like, yeah, we came up with that. I'm like, oh, I don't know, guys. <laughs> Um, so I'm not completely sold on on Nemesis. I do think it is one of the weaker moments on the album. The reason I asked, like, at what point um, was because I figured it'd either be, yeah, Pain of Pain of Aussies or Aussies or however you say it, where, like, that's where the experimentation comes in. But for me, it's everything after that that I really like about this album. I think the second half of this is so much stronger than the first. Mm. Is that you sound you're, like you're vibing more with the early parts of the album? Well, the, the, that was the moment where I thought, okay, this is different okay. i should pay more attention than perhaps i otherwise would have um and but it it, it held my attention throughout right. its whole runtime um yeah for me i think the the second half of the album is way less diverse than the first half of the album which is where you're getting this more melodic stuff you and and the experimentation um the second half is a little more straightforward but i feel like they're incorporating little pieces into the sound like more um i guess seamlessly whereas in the mm. first half it's like okay now here's the piano song Here's the Slipknot song, whereas the second half sounds like Venom Prison, but with a few different elements. The, the main one of which is these guys 
have been listening to Arch Enemy. That is what has happened here. Arch, <laughs> there is so much Arch Enemy on this album. And I get very wary of saying that about like any extreme metal band with, with a female vocalist. Cause it's like, well, just cause Angela Gosso is the biggest and she like, you know, not everyone sounds like her. And there are extreme metal vocalists um, that don't sound like Angela Gosso. Larissa Stupa sounds like Angela Gosso in her delivery and her phrasing and her tone and everything. And that, that's not a bad thing. That's a, it's a very like distinct influence, but if it was just her, I wouldn't even bother mentioning it. The guitar playing on this is so much Mark Amet in the in the soloing and the riffing. It just sounds like, yeah, they've gone to mid-period Arch Enemy and just been putting that on repeat and gone, yeah, we can do that. And as uh, someone who <laughs> loves mid-period Arch Enemy, I am all about that. <laughs> yes, there's a bit of carcass in there as well, but I think, yeah, this is... I don't think I quite say they're a melodic death metal band. This this is still death metal, but the melodic death metal influence, the arch enemy specific melodic death metal influence here, because it's that very European, like not quite power metal, but that traditional heavy metal guitar heroics. Like the shredding on this album is is insane. And that is the Amit Brothers from Arch Enemy. Like this this doesn't sound like in flames or dark tranquility. This sounds like Arch Enemy. And I like it. Very good. Um, having said that, as much as I like everything that's going on in the second half of this album, this album as a whole is not really clicking in with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it is because I find the first half of it rather sloppy. Yeah, it just doesn't really grab me until halfway through. And I really wish they pushed some of the experimentation further. Another trademark Josh reordering. Is that what is that what's on the No, the I don't here? think so, but I think much like Zillanata, because yeah, again, with the review of this i've seen like this is it this is a modern classic and they're, they're doing it all and i was like i don't think they're there yet i think they're dipping their toes in yeah i wouldn't call it a classic i wouldn't go that far i want to see pain of aussies not just be one song on an album that sticks out like the sore thumb or mm. that they have dipped in the water to yeah be incorporated more when the electronics are there it's good so yeah i'd be down for more of that yeah i think i think overall this is for me maybe their weakest album just because i think the first two really 100 percent on what they were trying to achieve Mm. but they certainly weren't as ambitious as this and this is a a very interesting and intriguing album if not quite the uh fruition of what they're trying to achieve i think anything more to add i think we're ready for our special guests all right i think i want to start with persephone because i um debated putting them in the headliners because persephone's previous album athma from 2017 was my loved it that was my album of the year for 2017 yes yeah yeah, not um, everyone can have good taste, folks. Well, this is this is a, <laughs> another one where I'm out of step, but I'm just looking at uh, people who don't like this album, uh, which seems to be everyone at Heavy Blog but me. I'm just going, what are, what are you talking about? It's great. And uh, conversely, I was sort of out of step with uh, Spiritual Migration from 2013, which I know is a very revered album around the Heavy Blog parts, which I think is good, but it never really clicked with me. It sort of much like your um, experience with uh, Samsara from Venom Prison, mm. Spiritual Migration is still um, I put it on. I'm just like, whoa, with the prog. <laughs> 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 Um, whereas after I'm like, yeah, man, songs and shit. Let's do Trace to Nair. All right, let's go. <laughs> so I loved Athma and was looking forward to, uh, yeah, Metanoia. So you did not like Athma, Carla, I am gathering. <laughs> no, although to be fair, I don't know whether it's a case of Persephone's music sort of declining or my tastes in prog shifting um, because I, I have definitely moved sort of away from their style of prog in general. Um, um, and it's sort of hard for me to delineate how much of it is them changing and how much of it is me changing because I really enjoyed Spiritual Migration. That was one of my favorite years. Uh, sorry, one of my favorite records in the year that it came out. And 
the the bombast, the full progness of it was right up my alley. And then in Athma, I just felt like things went astray a little bit. Yeah, and that seems to be the narrative around it within our circles. It just to me, Athma seems like such a a refinement. And whether you like one or not, like that's completely subjective and opinion. But mm. like hearing it described as like where the prog went off, I'm like, have have you heard um what's the one before that everyone likes? Spiritual migration. Like, have you heard that? That is just like noodling for like an hour and yeah bombast is a great word for it whereas i think with athma there's like huge melody there's the sneak influence there's a lot more i feel like the songs sort of flow together more it just seems like a more intentional record i guess and whether you mm. like that or prefer it it just it's like when people describe the hunter as mastodon's black album it's like the opposite of that that narrative that that is the stripped down simplified arena mastodon album i'm like no that's the one where they just progged out and forgot to write songs Mm. So I sort of have the reverse on that for Athma. That's what we think about previous Persephone albums. We have a new Persephone album, and Eden, our almighty editor-in-chief, who, yes, I think is in your camp, loves spiritual migration, was disappointed by Athma. He uh, wrote this up for the prognosis, our prog column, and said that Persephone, he was pleased that Persephone had returned to the more aggressive and uniquely explosive style of uh, spiritual migration sound, but have drawn on many of the sounds and tones that Athma tried to make its centre. But here they work incredibly as scaffolding and support for the main sort of sound that Persephone are going for. And much like Jimmy's review of Cult of Luna, I think you can do a fine and replace on this and, and put my name at the bottom of it, because I agree this is a reversion to spiritual migration, um, but I don't see a lot of Athma carried through in this and yeah this is i like this more than spiritual migration and i was very excited by it when i first heard it but it is not sticking with me it's doing that thing where it's just all prog all the time i don't know mm. it's a lot i find it very overwhelming how are you feeling about it so the the line that will pro- that probably best resembles what you just said is i wrote this should be right up my alley but the riffs and melodies just aren't sticking mm, okay i think it's very good um the opening riff of catabasis the, the first song however you say that that's awesome i love that that, that stuck with me and and that song overall which is just a riff driven heavy song um is cool um but yeah then i just find it meanders and i don't think this album, uh, album has a lot of identity to it i think mm. athma and um spiritual migration definitely do when it's on i enjoy it and then it finishes and i'm like yeah i haven't retained anything well i was about to say like it's pleasant when it's going and the riffs i feel like they're, they're pretty good consistently all the way through but it just feels like there's something missing it's just not quite coming together yeah uh one, one of the big sort of I was going to say red flag, but I don't know. Something that sticks out to me is the the opening song, Metanoia. The title track has Ida Solberg from Leprous, like, mm. and he's not a guest. He is the main vocal on that track, and he opens the song. And to open your album with this distinctive vocalist from another band and have him be the lead vocal, like, that's not a show of confidence to me. One of my main takeaways was I didn't know I wanted this, but now I want to hear Einar over a progressive death metal album. Uh, <laughs> you know he's in Leprous, right? <laughs> Yeah, but they're not, <laughs> they're not death anymore. So yeah, I guess they're more blackened anyway, yeah. And and even their brand of prog is very different to this brand of prog. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't really work for me. I go the other way where I'm like, no, I think Ina works with Leprous. And I think, he, I think he's great, but this is this is too much for his like floaty, cool, ethereal vocals. <laughs> and then they're in the background going, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 
doesn't really um, meld for me. Um, but it was more that like that was what they were putting forward, and that just sort of screams to me, "Well, go listen to Leprous." Yeah, because I have not listened to that last Leprous album enough, and I should. You should. It's great. This is an album that I liked, and I kept waiting for it to click with me, but it it hasn't really, and I think it's I'm gonna forget it. Yeah, I fully agree. the The only song that really sort of captures my attention is Merkaba in the yeah. middle, which has the big hook in the chorus. Um, do you want to give us? Do you want? Do you want to sing it for us? Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I may be inebriated, but not that inebriated. So. <laughs> All right. I, I, it sounds like I'm more down on this than I am. I think it's a good album. It's just, yeah, it hasn't struck with me considering how much I, I loved their last album. Mm. Um, all right, where do you want to go next? Should we do Allegaeon, Legion? Yeah, sure, let's do that. So who on earth named this band? <laughs> Honestly, were you 12? <laughs> yeah. Why? Um, because Aeon is like a word, right? And they're definitely trying to appeal to Aeon, so Allegaeon, but maybe it's meant to be a silent e. I feel like it is definitely meant to be a legion, but they just want, they just thought, you know what? How can we make it really hard for people to find our band when searching <laughs> for it online? I know. Let's spell it like this. Well, all really easy, but then, because they're the only one that's spelt like that, but then it makes it very difficult for podcast hosts who have only ever read this word. I'm sticking with that on and if that's wrong i don't care because it's their own damn fault that i say it that way so th- this is this is a bit of a weird one because as i was saying to carlo before we started i sort of forgot this album existed and did not re-listen to it before the podcast so i don't really have uh that many in-depth uh, things to say about it, but I will give my overall impression then Carlo can go for the deep dive. But in terms of history with Allegaeon, I will go first this time because I, I really like Allegaeon, or I did. I jumped on board with uh, its form shifter, I think. Is that from like 2010 or something? Right. Um, yeah, which I, and, and Elements of the Infinite are still two albums that I just adore. Um, sometimes a band just like has your number mm. and form shifter era Allegaeon are that for me where it's just like, oh, you want like all this proggy techie death meddling but then like we're just going to stop and drop the biggest heaviest stomping chimera riff ever at the end of every song and i'm like yes please and then <laughs> just no matter what they do i'm just like oh i love you guys <laughs> that's form shifter and elements of the infinite for me and then with their subsequent albums it seems like they got more and more proggy i guess the one after was really proggy and i i liked that album a lot but it didn't really stick with me and then the last one i had a bit of the persephone cult of lunar effect where a pop to a pop whatever man I- apoptosis that one i'm sure it was very good this is an album i'm going to go back to one day and go oh my god this is incredible i'm an idiot that album just just bounced off me it just seemed like all shred all day and it, it didn't have that big chunk and melody to it um mm. so it was a little trepidatious going into again what the hell is this album called damnum yes damnum damn damnum 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 names so yeah i wasn't sure what to expect going into this album um where are you coming at it from so i've i've listened to a couple of their records um the two most recent ones prior to this and i've always thought of them as a band that i should like but weirdly don't okay they seem to tour with bands that i really like and they're often mentioned alongside bands that i really like and their genre is one that usually I gravitate towards but there's just something about it that has never quite worked for me. Because we saw them live together, yeah, when they played the Rivers of Nil Obscure and who, who else played that night? I'm forgetting the headliners. Who uh, that was. 
It wouldn't have been an Obscura. No, not Obscura. The one but, that beyond beyond creation. Yeah, yeah. and Nebula Viscaris, perhaps. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we saw them, and I was sort of disappointed. And but I remember you being really, really hyped on them live. I was like, ah, oh, maybe they're actually good. <laughs> okay, yeah. I went the other way. I was like, oh, I think they jumped the shark with the with the whittling. All right, so that's where we're coming at this album, this new album. I'm just going to get my broad thoughts out of the way because, as I said, I forgot to revisit this and sort of don't have a a deep thing. You um, don't have to feel bad. My thoughts are only broad as well. Oh, okay. Uh, well, broadly, I think this album's great. I think this is a huge return to form. I love that they've done everything I've wanted. They have stripped back the tech stuff. This is the most melodic Elegon album. That, like, yes, if Form Shift is the groovy one, and then the last one was the techy one, the prog one, this is the melodic album, but it's also, it's very proggy. I think there's a huge Rivers of Nile um, influence on this but I think it really works. I don't know if they've quite found as good a sweet spot as they did on something like Elements of the Infinite. That's the one where Form Shift is still my favorite, but Elements of the Infinite's where I think they've had the balance like just right. Here, mm. I think this maybe leans a little bit too proggy, a little bit too melodic in parts, but I am way into this direction. And I think when I do get time to actually go back and invest more into this, I'm going to like it even more. I got this like the day before it came out and I, I was going to write it up as my top pick for our release day roundup and i listened to it like three times in a row because i just kept going nice wait again so it was one but then i forgot it i thought it was coming out next month <laughs> like, wait, i have that so yeah broadly i'm hyped on this but i don't have anything else to say other than i i dig this well yeah like i said their, their past releases have sort of struggled to break through what i would call the fine barrier <laughs> but they do it here. I, I really like it. It's melodic without being cheesy. And they've got good riffs. It's consistent from front to back. Good mix of clean and harsh vocals. I think Allegiant is finally clicking for me. Right. Yeah, I'd be interested to, to um, hear what you what you think of their earlier stuff. I don't know if Form Shifter would be as up your alley as it is mine. But yeah, I think elephant, Elephants? Elephants of the Infinite. <laughs> Um, yeah, so broadly, we like Damnum, but uh, we, we don't. Listen to Damnum. Listen yep. to Damnum. I would say it's Damnum good. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> it's broken through the Damnum fine barrier. <laughs> All right. Uh, do we want to do Rollo Tomasi next? All right. Yep. Where Myth Becomes Mystery by Rollo Tomasi. And yes, this has been a huge month for releases. And I think these these last three all could have been like headliners. These are, these are big releases. Um, Rollo Tomasi, though, are a band that I don't really have a history with. They're sort of here as a band that I feel like I should listen to rather than a release I'm excited for. Like, I'd seen their name around and, like, sort of knew who they were, but their previous album, Time Will Die and Love Will Bury It, uh, from 2018, was just universally acclaimed, I think, both within Heavy Blog and Without, was showing up mm-hmm. as People's Albums of the Year was everywhere. So that's sort of when I went, okay, I will listen to this band, and thought it was very good, and think it is better every time I go back to it but sort of it's not really my thing that that's where I was going into where myth becomes memory where I'm sort of I've put this here to check out as this is an album I feel like a lot of people are going to be talking about so I should know what it's about do you have any prior history with Rollo Tomasi? Pretty similar my first experience with them was Time Will Die and Love Will Bury It from 2018 and despite all the hype that it got it didn't do a huge amount for me um, I struggled to get behind it and in particular their style of harsh vocals didn't didn't work for me and detracted from the records. Yeah, I think this is in general Rollo Tomasi are more in my wheelhouse than yours, I would say, with the, with the hardcore influence, I guess. Mm. Um, although they're sort of early Nintendo core origins or whatever you want to talk about, I, I got no interest in that. But they've definitely got that more, uh, yeah, harsher hardcore influence. All right, so where Myth 
comes memory, I think this is a very different sounding record to Time Will Die and Love Will Bury. Would you agree? I like this one a lot more, so ah. that must be a yes, right? I call this the Venom Prison effect. <laughs> um, all right, well, you, you take it away then. So here, the there's nothing about the vocals that doesn't work for me. Uh, I, I enjoy it. I feel like this is essentially a post-rock album with alt metal thrown in there. Um, and I know that they're nominally meant to be like a post-hardcore band. I don't personally feel a huge amount of hardcore here. And maybe that's why it works for me more. I don't know. But the, the combination is good. The ethereal parts with the cleaner vocals, I think, are really nicely executed and contrast really well with the more energetic sections. And I think both of those those two sides to their coin are working strongly and nice and well with one another. Um, Yeah, I don't hear a lot of hardcore on this album at all. I think, yeah, blend of post-rock. I don't know about alt-rock so much. I definitely hear like it in the tones, but as far as like the song mm. structures and things, like this isn't Breaking Benjamin, if you're getting that impression. But um, I don't think no. that's what you were saying. There's no, no. definitely that sort of bouncy tone. Like yeah. when I first listened to it, I was like, oh, I'm a sugar there's like that not (laughs) like that intensity but that like yeah that bounce that jerk to it um actually the main band that this reminds me of a lot who i guess are a hardcore band so i'm sort of contradicting myself um there's a lot of moments on this album that remind me of employed to serve yeah and not so much the i don't think overall this album but there are bits and it's it's the heavy parts um, where I'm like, oh, that's that's the like the that bounce, that alt rock influence bounce, which um, turns out is just crowbar riff offs, but I'm cool with it. <laughs> that yeah, I guess so. Kind of that sludgy riffing. I think they've been paying attention to uh, Employed to Serve because I think they're both British bands who yep. you know, probably been are, in the yeah. same circles. So um, I think that's there in the heavy parts, and I really like that last Employed to Serve album. So the bits on this that sound like it that was great. I'm into the softer ambient stuff works less well for me on this <laughs> album. Less compared to what? Less compared to the heavier parts or less compared to what they've done before? Uh, less compared to, I guess, how you're responding to it is where I was right. going with that. Is it Eva Spence is the lead vocalist? Clearly, she's very good at it. If that's her doing the, the cleans as, as well, like that's mm. she has the quality of her voice. Um, and the versatility is impressive. I do find, though, that it's the heavy parts that really grab me about this, and I find the softer stuff kind of meanders, especially the opening track. Like, this kind of has the the will to run effect of, I'm like, okay, like, when are we kicking in? And I think by comparison, like, I've gone back, I spent a day, like, the other week being like, all right, I'm going to listen to all of Rollo Tomasi and see what I'm about. When this first came out, and I pitched in the, in the Heavy Blog channel thing where I was like, this is really different for them, right? And people were saying, no, it, it's sort of similar to their last two. I don't think it's that similar to Time Will Die and Love Will Bury It, but I definitely see the lineage to their previous album, uh, 2015's Grievances, having gone back and listened to that. Right. It's a bit more of an aggressive, bouncier, hardcore record. Um, it's more similar to hardcore, but this one doesn't sound like hardcore. It doesn't, though. It's weird. <laughs> I guess the, the aggressive sections do. There's just more of that clean. And and all right, this brings me to my overall point about this. I think Time Will Die and Love Will Barris is a better album than this. I think this one's a more accessible album, but much like with Venom Prison, Time Will Die and Love Will Bury It is the second half of the Venom Prison album, and this is the first half of the Venom Prison album. I find this really right. varied, but it's, it's very modal. It's like we're doing the clean part, now we're doing the heavy part, and then when the clean part comes in, it's not really 
melded into the song so much as just, oh, we're going to hang out and do the clean thing for a while. And I find a lot of the cleaner, softer sections on this album are very samey. There's not, I find the heavy parts really varied. When they come in, you're getting something different. When we go to the clean part, I'm like, all right, we're back to the clean thing. Whereas on Time Will Die and Love Will Bury It, I think not only is it more consistently incorporated, but it's sort of doing different things. Um, but I don't think any of it's bad. It just feels a little bit disjointed to me. Right. But yeah, I don't know. It By being more separated, I also do think, yeah, this is way more accessible and I totally get why yeah you would be vibing with it more i mean i'm not a rollo tomasi fan and apparently i say vibing but just, that's like the 10th time i've caught myself saying it for <laughs> sure whatever um yeah the first time i listened to this i i thought wow this is this is wicked um but it hasn't really stood up to sort of closer inspection okay um, scott gone from vibing to wicked now yeah oh i've always said wicked i'll learn wicked well, um, apparently it's quite the saying in whatever part of the US Scott is from. Anyway, carry on. If, the, if this album was really good, I'd say it was sick. <laughs> that last Employed to Serve album was sick. <laughs> maybe, but maybe I'm showing my ass here because the best song on this album, hands down, is Labyrinthine, right? Uh, I'm terrible with track names. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> Me too, but that is the big heavy one. Right. It's the one that sounds like it could literally be a track on the last Employed to Serve album. So this is me going, yeah, come on, get back to the hardcore parts. <laughs> when I, I do think what they're doing on this album is way more interesting than if not Employed to Serve a lot of the other bands um, yep. in that scene. Cool. That's really too messy. I'm glad you liked that one because I was a little bit worried between this and Venom Prison and Zillanada and Cold of Winter. This was just going to be a big stack of stuff that Carly was not interested in. And you've seen, <laughs> yeah, over, overwhelmingly positive about all of them, which is very cool. I'll let you pick where we go next then. Well, speaking of unbridled positivity then, let's segue through to Author and Punisher's Thriller. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I've got to wait to talk about Gerish. Uh, yeah, so Jimmy reviewed this one, and he said, Cruller is yet another monumental step in refining the songwriting and broadening the possibilities of author and Punisher. It's their most listenable project thus far, but no less avant-garde or confident in its position, resting along the cutting edge of contemporary industrial music. Do you, do you have a history with author and Punisher? So there was quite a bit of buzz with their last record. I checked that out. I didn't like it. And you you told me, hey, check out this one. This one's good. And I still don't like it, Josh. I feel betrayed. Now, hang on a second. Is that what I said? Or did I say, I think it would be interesting to listen to? I'm, I'm, I'm taking it as that was good. Listen to it, Carlo. And I like the idea of this project. I like the the let's make a new instrument deal uh, and i can see why people get behind it but going back to to Noyan, this is just straight up boring metal uh the pace is too slow for me and i struggle to even get through it in full i yeah so this is here because um you know it's one of the, the bigger releases and it was reviewed on the blog um so i checked it out and I think when I made your recommendation the recommendation to you or said, hey, we should check this out, I, I hadn't sat with it for too long. I think that was based on I checked out. It might have even been before I listened to the whole thing. I think I may have listened to like the singles and like a bit of the album and gone, oh, okay, this is what this sounds like. I did think this would be something you would like for two reasons. One, it's sort of got that alt uh, rock Thule vibe to it. I mean, Justin Chancellor and um, Danny Carey are on this album and I know like mm. I mean, you're into, I don't think this sounds like Carnival or anything, but that, that Tool tier that alt rock tinge that I associate with things you like yep. was there. And also the single is a Linkin Park song. Am I wrong? Uh, this was your mission for the week is tell me what Linkin 
Linkin Park song. Um, it's the, the second track. Which, on, let me get it out. I think I may have the answer, but I, the, the chorus to it's Incinerator. Now I have to re-listen to it. Hang on. Because this is this is big, scary, industrial author and Punisher, half man, half machine. This is a Linkin Park song. Like this could be a YouTube clip of Linkin Park slowed down to 50 BPM or something. The intro sample, I guess, is definitely bringing to mind something of uh the first two lincoln park records it's the the chorus part with like the straight and clean vocals are very early chester that's the bit but like i think there's there's the phrasing the lyrics are hitting a bit in my brain that's going that's that's lincoln park ah uh, yeah 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 <laughs> i i get you it's was it like we were up we fall down whatever that part is yep yeah is that lincoln park lyrics I mean, it might as well be. Let me see if there's a Linkin Park song. With it's the vibe. Fall down in. Uh, apparently, if you, if you Google Linkin Park fall down lyrics to say it, the song that comes up is Sharp Edges, which I don't know what that is. So it's not that. I did do a quick yeah. like go through Hybrid Theory and uh, Meteora looking for what it was. And I think maybe I'm thinking of With You. That's where he has that that strained vocal tone. So maybe that's what it's hitting. But um, either way, this is not what I was expecting from author and punisher a band that i had not checked out their previous album i had just sort of seen you know the big machine and knew roughly what they were but um mm. so i was very surprised when we came to this this is essentially like a chill alt rock record this sort of reminds me of like rockio catatonia even like not as melodic and and right. soft as that but it has that sort of dark yeah that dark mm. melodic vibe to it mm. but you're right this is not nearly dynamic enough this goes nowhere i enjoyed this album yeah. for the first like three songs and then it's yep. like, oh, we're doing this, are we? Yep. And I, this isn't nearly as extreme as what I want from this crazy industrial band called, uh, yeah, Author and Punisher. Um, and I get that this is a more melodic or more accessible sort of album for him because I did check out the the previous album, which I think what's it called, Beast something, Beastland, uh, mm. and that is wild and crazy stuff. But I guess that's more what I expected. And though I probably like I wouldn't listen to Beastland, whereas this I I do enjoy the overall idea of it. I sort of, I sort of am more interested in Beastland. I don't know. I also so has he invented a new instrument or has he put some like wires on a synthesizer? I don't know. I haven't some done casing. that. I have I haven't audited his instrument yeah, creation I mean, process. People who know about industrial stuff, uh, you know, I'm sure I'm being ignorant here, but like watching a few of the videos and stuff, it doesn't seem like he's doing a whole lot. Like you see the pictures of it. Like I was expecting like this rack that he gets in where like he is the machine and he's moving. <laughs> and it just sort of seems like he has a synthesizer and then he has a like a drum that's on a, on a lever. I don't know. So maybe it comes through on the other records. Like clearly having listened to a bit of Beastland, he's, he knows his shit and he knows what he's doing. I just, yeah, I was expecting more from this. Mm. So yeah, I, I do think this is a more accessible album, but I, I don't think it's particularly adventurous yeah. or interesting. All right, let's shift tones. Can we can we talk about Gerish and the Chronicles? Yeah, okay. Now? Let's let's indulge you, Josh. So I'll <laughs> I'll kick us off because I don't have a huge amount to say here. So Gerish and the Chronicles released "Hail to the Heroes," and this is hair metal. Yes, and it's, it is, and it's fun, and it's very much Josh's kind of thing, and it's really not my kind of thing. But if you like fun upbeat guitar centric clean vocal centric hair metal then look no further i'm gonna give us a bit of background on this because yes this is hair metal i like hair metal i don't think anyone else at the blog and especially not carlo likes hair metal so <laughs> was not expecting you to like this and again like venom prison if it had just been another samsara i wouldn't have bothered talking about it or i probably would have but you know we just do it quickly if this had just been just another hair metal album like i wouldn't make you listen to it right 
Um, like there was a Crazy Licks album that came out last year that I thought was really good. But if that had come out, um, I would have put it in the supports and I would have said, oh yeah, by the way, there's a new Crazy Licks album out. It's probably their best since um, the, the second one. And and if you like that sort of thing, check it out. I like it, but I'm not going to make you listen to it. Unfortunately for you, the first hair metal album that's come out while we're doing this, I think is one of the best hair metal albums I've heard <laughs> in ages. This is this is Girish and the Chronicles. They're an Indian yeah, hair metal band. I think this is their second or third album. This Yeah, as I said, this is not a good hair metal album. This is one of the best, if not ever, like this is one Oof. of the best modern hair metal albums. You know, I don't think it's gone quite toe-to-toe with the 80s classics, but in terms of, yeah, modern stuff, this is up there with the best stuff Crazy Lex and Crash Diet have ever done. I think this is wicked. You didn't get anything from this. Like, I mean, what am I meant to get other than, ah, yes, this is fine. This is... <laughs> this is a fine this color. Is, this, this is upbeat. <laughs> this is good shit. This is the opposite of that Cult of Luna album. This album rocks, and it makes me want to rock. <laughs> and yet you still called it wicked and not sick. No, this is this is wicked. <laughs> this is this is not sick. This, yeah, wicked no, this with wicked. emphasis. Yeah, this rules. Um, and Hail to the Heroes, the title track, which I think is one of one of the best songs in the album, is just a complete ripoff and reworking of Dokken's um, Dream Warriors. And I'm so here for it. It's <laughs> so Girish and the Chronicles. Yeah, they got a bit of buzz on their last album, Rock the Hio, which I think I gave uh, one of the songs from that uh, to John in a playlist swap. And he, he was he's much like you, he was like, oh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that album had like a couple of highlights but on the whole was like not the finished product i think this is wall to wall bangers there is like every track on this is a classic i was looking at it Oof. every track a classic i think that, Rock is, a, Jack that is a huge is the weakest song on the album if i if i was making a best of gurish in the chronicles playlist which keep in mind that i have like two or three albums but like i think yeah maybe only rock and roll jack would make the cut oh heaven's crying is so shamans of time come on color nothing 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 stuck with you from this <laughs> did you raise your fist to the heavens once <laughs> I raised my fist at you, perhaps. Because this goes yeah. on and my arm just shoots straight up and it doesn't come <laughs> down till it's over. I was just like, yeah! If, yeah, anyone who has any interest in this kind of music, this leans on the heavier end of the um, hair metal spectrum. So things like Skid Row, White Snake, stuff like that. And I, I do actually hear a lot of the more modern bands like Crash Diet and stuff coming through in this. So anyone who has a vague interest in classic rock and likes that sort of thing, I recommend this album wholeheartedly. All right, now our, our final. This is our final special guest. Mm-hmm. We're staying in India. We've got, a, sure we've got an Indian double bill. We're going over. This is a band you brought in. This yes. is Bloody Wood. Do you want to tell us about Bloody Wood, Carlo? So Bloody Wood have recently released Rack Shack, uh-huh. and this is a band that started off making Lincoln Park covers. Okay, <laughs> that that explains a lot, Carlo. <laughs> <laughs> And then they took some sort of, I think they made a a covers album where they took pop songs and made metal versions of them. And as far as I'm aware, this is their debut original uh, of original songs. I I did not know about that. I just knew this was their debut. I didn't know they had this history. I mentioned that pop thing, but I think you're burying the lead here, Carlo. This is Bollywood metal. This is Bollywood influence new metal. (laughs) I mean, is it? Yeah, it's called Bloodywood. I mean, I think they're just like, the, the, this is meant to be the antithesis of Bollywood. Yeah, that's uh, why it's bloody wood. <laughs> <laughs> that anything you are opposing, you are influenced by, by default. Uh, yeah, I'll go Carlo, this hand you that insane. one. If you it want to so shake good. your fist at me for, for Girish and the Chronicles, 
I'm not saying this album's bad, but like you've got you don't have a leg to stand on asking me to check this out. This is nuts. <laughs> yeah, but it's amazing. I mean, it's got chunky, bouncy, new metal riffs, a ton of Indian sort of folk style percussion and wind instruments. We've got a rapper, we've got harsh and yes, disordered clean vocals. I mean, what's not to love, Josh? What is uh, not it, to I love? have a very distinct answer for that. <laughs> But I will I will get there in a second. This album's very good. This is a very good, very addictive album. It's so fun. You just want to listen to it again. This album sounds exactly like what a band called Bloody Wood I expected them to sound like, but is is way better than an album mm. by a band called Bloody Wood I expected them to sound like. It's way heavier. I think that's really what I that's the part I was not expecting. This sounds like what I say, this sounds like a cross between Crossfaith and Soulfly with yes. Indian folk music mixed in, which I don't pay attention to Indian folk metal. So the fact that this is getting attention doesn't mean it's necessarily rich but this is this is a lot to take in I, yeah i agree the cross faith influence is definitely strong i the lincoln park influence is huge all oh. the way through um and it's like there's there's definitely some diet slipknot vibes like it's you can tell they listen to and like slipknot but they never go that heavy um but the yeah, Slipknot and Lincoln Park, sure. But I think whereas you, you listen to um, Nemesis on on the Venom Prison album, you go, oh, that is this Slipknot there. I don't get that so much with this. Yeah, Soulfly, who I mentioned, are the big one. This sounds like early mm. Soulfly, uh, obviously with the uh, like folk elements, but just the the riffing and the, and the heaviness. Like you're saying, they don't they mm. don't go as heavy as. Um, maybe you know iowa level slipknot but and it's not as dark as that but it, it's well, as, yeah like, that's right it's not the it's not yeah they've got the crunch and the groove just not the aggression and the the darkness so yeah musically i think this has way more in, in common with yeah several tourist soulfly stuff than um lincoln park where the lincoln park influence comes through it comes through very clearly is there are two vocalists in this band mm-hmm. there is a a harsh vocalist who sings in 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 the indian language and he's really good he is yeah for especially if you watch their videos he is full of charisma he is very gripping he's he's awesome yep and then there is an english rapper uh he's not english but he raps in english yes and carlo he has got to go he's pretty <laughs> he's pretty cringe I must admit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he is um yeah wow can i i ca- i pulled the um the opening verse of the first song on this album because there's an indian verse but then what's what's it called and I'll, I will forewarn everyone by saying this is going to sound much worse out of context. But oh, yes. I don't know if it is. <laughs> <laughs> Proceed, Josh. This is guitar. This is the, the English ruined rap the, verse ruined, ruined the record for our poor listeners. Slow clap the crap they call in governance. More than a rap man, we're reforming governments. Full-blown attack man, get with the plan. We're here to pull apart the politicians and the god clan. Yeah. Yeah, we're slaying, but we're saying nothing new. We're just saying you better do the shit you say you're gonna do none of that fake shit wwe because you know we keep it real like the ufc are <laughs> carlo now as as our podcast resident lincoln park fan maybe you have a higher tolerance for appalling rap but this is bad uh, uh, i will not suffer any mike shenada <laughs> blasphemy on this pod joshua no don't are you, you talking me to fourth in the game <laughs> Yes, yes, I <laughs> am fourth. telling you the yeah. fourth at the game. <laughs> Look, I 
I can't defend the rapt vocals and that and occasionally I think the mix gets a little busy um, at times on this album but other than that putting that to one side the rest is great and the rest is good enough that you can put up with the the rapt vocals yeah if it wasn't in English I I don't know I the other the problem also just that the English rapper is bad the other guy is so good yeah if he was spitting these in his gruff voice yeah which just suits the like, music better because it's correct. the guitars are so deep I don't no. Correct. And there's parts where he is spitting, really. Like there and he's got great flow and he's his distorted sort of harsher vocals are great, but his clean vocals are also great. Like the main vocalist is really, really strong. Yeah, he's um, something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think there would be a lot of people who saw this name and dismissed it, like I did before you were like, hey, like check this out. And I, I'm mm. very glad I did. It's it's something. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And and it's not one note either. Uh, like there's I think the main takeaway is fun and a blast yeah. of energy and that's what you'll get with tracks like Gadar the opener, Dada Dan as well. But yeah. then there are also some really emotional big hooks like in G V Day, um, which is probably one of my favorite tracks on the record um and so yeah you should check it out good shit yeah it's cool um but also very uncool (laughs) (laughs) that guy's so bad and like sort of on a bit of a side note so the band only has three guys oh okay so it's the the vocalist we like Uh and the guitarist does all of the music himself including the drumming i believe so i'm not 100 percent sure but definitely the Uh non-drumming And the rapper is the most recent addition. So initially it was just the other two guys. And then oh. the rap the rapper started off as a guest on a song and then they've pulled him into the fold. Ah, uh, well, okay. So I didn't want to ruin this guy and say he's been in this band the whole time and he shouldn't be there, kick him out. But if you're telling me he's a new addition, no, he ne- <laughs> he needs to go. I mean, if they had someone like the guy from, um, not Crossfate, uh, Hacktivist, right? Like someone mm. like the new guy from Hacktivist, which just has that menace to him. He's so it good. Would suit this, yeah. This guy does not fit at all. But yeah, fun album, and that, that is the last of our uh, special guests for the week. Do we want to smash through some supports? Because there's been other albums released this month. There have. So why don't you kick us off with one that I bet you really like, Immolation. I do God. like the Immolation album. Yeah, th- I mean, this by all means should be in the headliners. This is a, a big release in our circles in death metal. Um, it's a really good album, but it's down here on the supports because I don't have much to say about it other than Immolation are fucking great. This is another fucking great Immolation album. Everyone else has said that already. I don't really have anything to add. Having said that, I do think this is a rather different Immolation album. It's much more blackened. Um, it has a bit mm-hmm. of a dissonant ulcerate influence to it their last few albums have sort of been in the same vein where it's just we're doing the emulation thing and it's great but it's the thing we do this is a different tone for them which is cool and i think the drumming on this album is fucking incredible um but yeah everyone else has said this i don't have anything new to say i like emulation i like the new emulation album carlo do you like emulation do you like the new emulation album i haven't listened to much emulation in the past uh, maybe just the last couple uh-huh. this one i thought was pretty good i think there's the riff work is really strong there's some menace to it there's some real heft to the riffs as well Uh, and I agree there's some blackened touches there which I really liked but overall probably a little too straightforward for my for my tastes not not to say that it's a bad thing that's what they're going for I did feel the songs tended to bleed into one another towards the end it just started to feel a bit samey but maybe I just haven't listened to it enough times no I agree I think it sits in that atmosphere for a bit Mm. 
but individually the songs are great and yeah if you like if you like that style of death metal you're gonna like this album it's as simple as that yeah i mean simon uh, i think wrote this up in uh, the editor's picks and said nobody that has heard an emulation record before is going to be shocked by what acts of blood brings to their discography but it's another solid addition from some of the straightest shooters that death metal has cultivated to date and he says it is highly recommended to fans and newbies alike for big evil moments crunching guitar riffs and some sounds that will truly make you wonder why nobody has pilfered their style yet which is a good point more people should be ripping off emulation mm. so yeah i do think this is, would be a good jumping off point though i um i take a little bit of issue of the description of emulation of straight shooters because my favorite emulation album i think it's their third album uh failures for gods yeah their third album from 1999 is fucking weird right I haven't heard it. Yeah, it's gorgutsy without being like that real mushy sound. It's like right. ethereal. Yeah, it's it's cool. Uh, it doesn't sound like any other death metal album I've ever heard. But yeah, Immolation are going to emulate. A band that are definitely varied mm-hmm. are Amorphous, who I think have one of the most varied discographies in, in extreme music. I, I wrote up an eight track for them a while ago, which looking back on, I did sort of stick to the classics more than maybe I should have. Uh, yeah, John wrote this one up for the editor picks saying that it was catchy and accessible exuding an energy and technical confidence that is vibrant and direct as anything found in the band's extensive discography I'm a fairly large Amorphous fan depending on which album, which era because they have very distinct areas Do you are you into Amorphous at all Carla? I've only listened to their, their previous record so that was my intro I know or if I recall I think you quite like that one I think it's one of their better more recent ones right right so to bring us I guess do you want to give your thoughts on on this one uh, yeah I don't have a huge amount to say I feel pretty similarly to how I did to the last one in that it's like it's fine it's pleasant while I'm listening to it but it doesn't leave me wanting more or really desperate to to come back and revisit it like they do the the touch of prog melodic melodic metal thing reasonably well um yeah i i did like their last album but it didn't it didn't stick with me and i I didn't go back to them and that's sort of the problem i have with with modern amorphous and having discovered that this album is actually the third in a trilogy of the last three albums sort of clears up a lot of that for me because they are sort of samey whereas yeah before that i think they really keep the same sound for two albums in a row and then now it seems like they've sort of settled into um a groove the the one yep. before this trilogy circle from uh 2013 which is where they did go a bit more um like groovier uh less proggy that was a groovier melodic album but i think that one's really great and the the one for me is their fourth album uh chuanella which is an album much like failures for gods that sounds like no other album i have ever heard this sounds like wild honey era tiamat playing u2 era joshua tree right like the opening song of that the way opens with some um like uh, where the streets have no name style delay that album is incredible and i love it but they never made an album like it and no one else has ever made an album like it it's this really singular album whereas like yeah with their modern stuff i feel like they've, they've found the the trademark amorphous sound and they've sort of mm. stuck with it and this is this is more of that i've talked a lot here but i was just going to give this album a, a one sentence review which is to say these songs are too damn long yep agreed yeah they they meander a lot this this is obviously an amazing instrumental a feat but it really doesn't keep my attention at, at all yeah these last few records have been very highly acclaimed as far as i'm aware it's just they sort of meander for me um so yeah, i'm sort of agreed. losing my passion for amorphous but still very impressed by what they're doing the other big release of the month was a new corn album carlo do you care about a new corn album no no, no that's what's down here and there are supports isn't it have yep. you ever cared about a new corn album i don't know if you like corn uh 
Yes and no. Like, I do like Korn, but I've, I mean, if they had stopped making music 20 years ago, would I be worse off? Probably not. But in saying that, I think the albums they have been releasing the last few years have been pretty good. Um, and and I tend to think that of this one as well. Like, it's not it's not going to convert you to Korn if you didn't like them before, but I don't think they're phoning it in either. Um, I think they're making solid music time after time. That seems to have been the big response to this album. People saying, oh, it's just another Korn album, but that's what Korn do. Korn are doing the Korn thing and they're doing the Korn thing well. That's every review of this album I've read or heard. Mm. I think this sounds like they're really phoning it in. Really? Yeah, there is nothing remarkable about this album to me at all. And the first couple of songs are like, oh, it sounds like Korn. And then I'm like, okay, this seems to me like such a drop off from like good Korn. Like, yeah, compared to Untouchables or something, I don't think this even comes close. Um, a lot of people were big on their, their last album, The Nothing, uh, which is an album I literally forgot existed until they announced this one. So I don't know. <laughs> I, I have weird corn opinions. I think See You on the Other Side is their best album, so I'm an idiot. But um, <laughs> like what you were saying, where they could have broken up 20 years ago, and that would have, I don't think they need to have broken up. But yeah, people seem to have accepted that Corn are this band that just put out an album and they go on the tour and they're this workhorse band. I think Corn mm. would be way cooler if they were an event band. You know, other bands are there of their era like like Ramstein and Tool just go away for a while and then when they come back it's like oh shit what are these albums going to sound like if Korn yep. fucked off and then came back because over the last four or five Korn albums I think there's only probably one good album's worth of material mm. like I don't see the point of releasing this none of these songs are going to stay in their set list beyond this tour so yeah it depends what you're what you're what you're aiming for as you as a band right I mean, they're putting stuff out consistently. They get to tour consistently. I'm not going to begrudge them that, but I, I take your point. I'm just, I'm looking back through their albums now. It's like every, of all, all, all the albums, I'd say up to maybe the paradigm shift. It's like, there's a different idea with every album. They're trying something. And then and now it feels like for these last ones, it's like, okay, we just do porn now. Mm. And it's, That's it's fair. exciting to me. Yeah. I don't know. I was pretty nonplussed about this album, but yes, that brings us back to our question. I don't really need a new corn album in 2022. So Yeah. Like I would agree that the, the originality has died away, but I don't think the quality of what they're doing has necessarily dropped. It's just become less interesting because it's more of the same. That's fair. I also think this is probably the worst Corn album. Oh, no, it's probably better than Corn 3 and maybe Corn 2, but yeah, I'm not, not very impressed, but it's a support, so let's move on to our, our final album. Yes, there was an, there were other big releases this month. There was a Napalm Death uh, EP, but it turns out it's just a bunch of B-sides from the last album, so I don't care. I did listen to it. It wasn't very remarkable. Uh, wait is the other one we've got listed here that we want to have a quick chat about. Are you familiar Mm -hmm. with this band? Nope. First time I've listened to them. All right, same Um, This is a guy who used to be in Cynic, is now in Exist. I did write down his name. Oh, that guy. I know him. Former member of Cynic and Defeated Sanity and is, uh, yes, in in, uh, Exist with guitarist Charlie Aaron, who also plays in Wait. I believe Eden wrote this up for one of our columns. And said, there's something so effortlessly complex on this release that goes way beyond just weird time signatures and your odd jet influence syncopation. Whichever note the album strikes, it does so with a confidence and great skill, creating one of the more satisfying releases of the year so far. And I think the sentiment has been largely echoed among heavy blog circles. I've, I've seen quite a big response to this. Is it an album? It's, yeah, it's 50 minutes, but it's yes. only seven songs, but they're long, yeah. 
So this this strikes me as something that would be up your alley, Carlo. It should be, uh, but it doesn't break through the fine barrier for me. So I think the instrumentation is fine. Uh, it's decent. There are some cool riffs, and there are some really interesting passages, or the sort of the melodic phrasing they use at times is quite different. The Lone Presence Supreme stands out as one of the one track where that really shines. But apart from a few moments here and there, I do feel like it's quite samey and the nasally vocals don't really do it for me either. So I think if you if you do like this album or if you think you should like this album, go listen to A Pale December who released Death Panacea, which is a better version of this. It's more concise, more engaging and check it out. I don't know this one. Oh, apparently I did. Apparently I clicked on it. Probably because you posted it somewhere and I was like, well, listen to that and then forgot it existed. Oh no, I think, yeah, I think I clicked on this because of the cover. That's from this year, is it? All right, I'll go back to that. That looks interesting. Yeah, you've, you've just intimidated it again. I have pretty much the identical reaction to this. I was sort of expecting more, really. Um, mm. And I don't think I've given it the time it needs. Like, I've sort of put this on yeah, for like two I casual agree. listens, but it hasn't grabbed me. And I, I was struck by how samey it feels. Like, maybe if you're engaged and paying attention, that there's more to get there. Yeah, th- this being the guy from Exist makes way more sense because I was, when I was listening, I'm like, this sounds like that band that had that album that sounded like floaty prog but it was and yeah it's it's those same guys yeah not grabbing me but i know a lot of people are hyped on this so if you've disagreed with us so far check this one out all right that that is all the uh support so that's all the albums we both listened to i did want to give a quick support shout out to two albums the first is schizophrenia uh their debut album recollections of the insane is a, a thrash metal band from belgium they called schizophrenia so they sound like sepultura early slayer that that death thrash sort of thing i think this album's really really good i was really hyped on their um uh, voices ep from 2020 and this is their debut album and i think they've delivered i was going to say this is something that yeah i unlike garish and the chronicles where i'm like oh you need to listen to this if, if you like thrash metal check this out if you don't you don't there's not really much to discuss here so that's mm-hmm. why i didn't make you listen to it but also having said that uh the album this sounds the most like is the last in malice's wake one so if you dug that um this is worth yeah. checking out but has a bit more of that uh raw death metal influence and the other album i wanted to shout out was an album called Called Active Will by a band called Acrasia. This is A K R A S I A from Hungary. Yeah, this is just uh, when I was putting together the release day roundup stuff. I noticed that checked out the single for this. Something about it grabbed me, and I sort of put it on note to check out when it released. I went back to it, and yeah, this is much like uh, early Alagaon. This is this is so just like made for me almost. Um, this is crunchy, nice. riffy, thrashy, mellow death with big chunky like the thing that sets this apart from like any other mellow death thrashy band is um just these big neck snapping unearth style grooves that they just throw in they're just like and eh, now we're doing the unearth thing yeah this is really cool so if you like me you like the sound of that check this out because they're a small band from hungary that i don't think anyone's talking about this but it's it's pretty cool oh i i did want to say have you checked out this Arthurius album i saw this just before um when I was going through and pulling review quotes this album art looks familiar I've heard people talk about it I have listened to it and it is in my fine category. It did sound like Archbire, but fine. So yes. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of the indictment, isn't it? Have you listened to this? I don't think so. Let me check. Ah, I have. <laughs> yeah, but you do that a lot. So. <laughs> All right, cool people time. Cool people time. Cool people time. So yes, obviously we're ripping off the heavy blog podcast thing uh, here, but our version of cool people time, if you didn't bother to listen to the last episode, is this is a segment where we listen to an album that's too cool for us. That people cooler than us are, are talking about and uh we we give our um 
unqualified opinions on. So this week we are talking about uh, the blood, blood incantation. Are too cool for us. Yes. Well, I mean, by all rights, this should have been a headliner. This is maybe the biggest metal release of the month. The biggest release by a metal band of the month, perhaps. Yeah, well, there we go. But yes, is here. If this was a straight ahead death metal album, it would have been in the, the headliners. It's in the cool people column because this is this ain't your grandpappy's death metal. This is I don't know <laughs> what this is. Blood incantation. You a fan? Uh, not really. No. No, me me either. Which is weird because this is one of those ones where I feel like I should like blood incantation. I know, right? Everything blood incantation do is stuff I like. Everyone I like whose opinion I respect says blood incantation are the best thing since death metal sliced bread. Mm. People were big on their last album and I just thought it was a big like sort of waffle. It sounded like yep. a jam rather than an album. There were parts of it that were really cool, but there were only parts. So anyway, somehow they've become the breakout band and I don't know why. That's that's another thing where it is a bit of that why you. Mm. But they are talking about them and, and mainstream publications are talking about them and they talked about them on their last record, but they're extra talking about them on this record because uh, this is this is an ambient album. Time Wave Zero is the name. Yeah, so this has been reviewed everywhere and, and fairly acclaimed from what I've read. Do you like ambient? Nah. Yeah, me either. Right, but okay, this wasn't going to be That's why it's me. too cool for us, yeah. We were, we were going to do no country. Uh, Black country, old road, and the, you know what we're saying. Yeah, we were going to do that one. And I listened to one song of it and was like, nope, it sounded like what I thought Nick's band sounded like. Um, and I'm very <laughs> glad they don't. I have not listened to that. No. Good, because it's bad. I thought their last one was bad too. Or at least if it's not bad, it's not for me. So, But also that album hasn't been getting uh, much of a response. This Blood Incantation album is everywhere. People are bigging it up. This is the next big death metal band. They've transcended death metal, all that crap. Carlo, they are having us on, right? This is a big load of bullshit, yeah? I actually like this. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I have feelings about this album. Of all of their records, this is the one I should like the least. And yet I seem to enjoy it the most of their catalogue. Now, this contradicts all of my tastes because it sounds pretty <laughs> much exactly the same for 50 minutes or however long it is. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's, I mean, I've mentioned boring metal many times already on this on this episode, but I don't know, I find it kind of relaxing and I like having it on in the background whilst I do other things. So this is definitely headed for my study playlist. It's definitely not going to make my list, but I'm enjoying it more than I expected to. I mean, that put it on in the background and just chill out to it should make more sense to me. Um, except I tried that. Having this album in the background drove me insane. <laughs> I was like, do something. It's just this hum. Meditative. Josh, meditative. Uh, remember that time, um, what's his name? Was it Joaquin Phoenix? And he did that movie where it was a documentary about his life and he went on all the talk shows and he was being all weird. But then it was like some kind of art project where he was like playing a character and he was like duping as right. a man. This is like that, but for death metal, yeah? They're like, we've broken through. We're going to release the biggest pile of bullshit and people are going to eat it up. <laughs> this is nothing. It's the same thing. And like I did, I, I literally couldn't believe I've gone through multiple times. I've been like, have I just downloaded the same track like over yeah, and over again? Cool. And if I if I put it on and I skip through, I can hear right, this bit is different to that bit is different to that bit. Like there is something different there. But when I am listening to it, it sounds like the same, like the same hum and the same like mm. refrain over and over again. And like, I guess that's cool because it subtly changes without you noticing except that i never noticed that it has changed i think this is the biggest wank i'm not saying it's not a wank like i fully agree that it is but it's just one <laughs> that i don't mind 
Yeah. All right. Well, maybe you're cooler than me. I think that's what we've learned. <laughs> one point for Carlo in the cool kid column. So we'll see how we go and next one. I'm not actually sure what we're going to do for the, uh, the cool people section um, next time because, uh, yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen anything, but we'll see what, what gets buzzed about. Why this band? Yeah, good question. When I kind of enjoyed this, I was like, maybe I was wrong about their older stuff and I should give that another listen. So maybe I'll report back next month. I, I have not been back for obvious reasons. All right. I think that does it for this month. Thank you, Carlo. I think this has been a fun one. Was there anything else you wanted to mention before we go? I think we're all good. By the looks of it, tentatively, next month, I not as big in terms of big releases, but I think big for us-related releases, mm-hmm. however you want to say that. Because, yeah, we have new albums by Half, and I'm throwing North Lane in there, yep. even though it comes out in April. Uh, we got the new album by Ghost that um, came out today. And then, yeah, it's a whole bunch of stuff. It's Theme, Extension AD. There's a Vane album, which you can read my thoughts about on the website <laughs> right now. Um, Animals as Leaders, Cancer Bats, Crowbar, Sabaton, Placebo, a bath, midnight, duck, funeral, archaic. Um, so yes, those are the things we will be talking about next month. See ya. Bye. <laughs>